It's my first time. You're new here, aren't you? First time. Welcome to Babylon 5 for the first time. Not a Star Trek podcast. My name is Jeff Aiken, and I'm watching Babylon 5 for the first time. Green. And I'm Brent Allen, and I'm also watching Babylon 5 for the first time. Purple. Green. 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 Uh, listen, guys, Jeff and I are two veteran Star Trek podcasters watching Babylon 5 for the very first time. And in this show, we are taking that lens that we have developed as over analytical sci-fi watchers from Star Trek. And we're applying that over analysis right here to Babylon 5, trying to decide really how much we like this series. And while this is not a Star Trek podcast, we are Star Trek podcasters. And so those references are going to sneak in from time to time. To keep us on task and focused on Babylon 5, we play a game called The Rule of Three. That means we each get three references, no more, to Star Trek for the rest of this episode, up until the part where we literally kind of sort of compare the episode to Star Trek. And that starts right now. Immediately. You know what else starts right now? Hearing from our incredible listeners and viewers out there. We have a website. Did you know that? I did. But That's good. the question is, did you, the listener out there, know that? It's, I always get this wrong, babylonfirst.com? So close. Babylon5first.com. First.com. There it is. Babylon5first.com. It's the number five and the word first.com. Well, on there, you can click contact and you can send us a message. Rob sent us a really cool one through there. Rob says, you both remind me of my friends and I when we watched the show when it first came out. Since you compare it to Star Trek, when was the first time you realized this wasn't trying to be Star Trek? Ours was the first time we saw that they actually use the bathroom. Okay, first of all, hi, Rob. Second of all, have we come across them using the bathroom yet, Jeff? Someone made a comment in an earlier YouTube video back in season one about them uh-huh. having a conversation in the bathroom. I don't remember that at all. I don't either. I mean, is that a spoiler? <gasps> Rob, you spoiled for it. No. Um, or is it just gross? Like, <laughs> Rob, what are you watching? Which Babylon watching- 5, what streaming service did you watch this on? <laughs> right. We're watching it on the wholesome HBO Max. Yeah. <laughs> home of game of thrones and house of dragon and stuff well when you said our website what you thought it was you were close that's our twitter at babylon first and through twitter at sir john card doubles down on my upset about when i watched the opening credits on accident when we first started season two he says when you begin season two do not Watch the opening credits until you've watched at least the first two episodes. Big spoilers in the credits. Yes. Yes, Sir John Card. I've been spoiled to that. Brent has still remained pure as the driven snow with that one and will remain so until the complete reveal happens. Has the complete reveal not happened yet? It has not. I didn't even think about it for this episode. I just skipped the intro because the skip intro button is amazing. It's really helpful. Yeah. 
it's a super good thing. All right. Well, I will I will depend on you then, Jeff, to tell me when I'm allowed to go watch it, because apparently it's different than the first season. So it is. It has new theme music. We have new theme music. They have a new voiceover. We have new voiceovers on our theme. Their voiceover just happens to give away a massive plot point that's coming. Interesting. Okay. Normally at this point, we follow up on the fun game that we like to play where we guess what the next episode is going to be about based on the title alone. Um, I'm going to make this really short and sweet. We thought this was going to tell us more about the shadows and all that stuff. It did not. We were wrong. So, um, yeah, strike for both of us. Yeah, it is. It is a weird, weird episode uh, in many ways. And my reaction to this, like from the reaction video was, I don't even understand what happened. So, Jeff, (laughs) can you please try to help me understand what happened as you read to me what happened in this week's episode, as well as everybody else out there who may be watching along with us for the first time or people who just haven't seen it in a while? Certainly try. Well, Commander Ivanova. That's right. It's Commander Ivanova now, but she ain't going to get that money for nothing. Nope. Welcome to the world of diplomacy, Commander. The Drazi are going to go through their strangely accurate portrayal of what presidential elections will look like on Earth in the year 2024 here pretty soon. Hmm. Well, while that's going on, Garibaldi's been cleared for duty. He's not sure that he's cut out for security work anymore. Apparently, dude was his number one guy. He never saw this coming. He got shot in the back, never had a clue. Franklin, Sheridan, and even his buddy, Lou, the guy that wanted five minutes alone with dude, all try to talk him into coming back to work, but he's having like an existential crisis through all this. Ivanova tries to come at this drowsy thing logically. She learns that every five years, they all randomly pick a scarf out of a bucket And that tells them what team they're on, green or purple. Each team has a leader that randomly pulls a special scarf out of the bucket. The teams, green and purple, then beat each other up until one logs the most wins or something like that. The team, that team that takes the most wins takes over control for the next five years. And even though they tell her super, super plainly what everything is all about, She just can't seem to wrap her mind around it. I mean, how much more simple could they possibly make it? Green must fight purple. Purple must fight green. (laughs) I mean, it's as easy as it gets. Well, this goes on and on and on with her just not getting it. Eventually, she breaks her foot. Then she gets kidnapped and framed as the greens decide they're going to start killing the purples. Specifically, by venting a hold that they made it sound like Ivanova told them all to go and get into. Walking around the station, Garibaldi hears bits and pieces of this and realizes that the fix is in. He goes full-on door-to-door vacuum salesman, just falling short of dumping dirt on the Drazi's floor, and he rescues Ivanova. To make her point to the green Drazi, she grabs the leader's green scarf, yanks it off of him, puts it on, and now she's the green leader. So she shuts the whole thing down. She turns the greens into purples and has supposedly put this issue to rest. Even though it's supposed to go on for another year? Well, hooray Ivanova, I guess. Oh, and Garibaldi's got his groove back. He goes back to work. In a rare Babylon 5 moment, the people coming onto the station at the beginning aren't the big baddies. Nope. 
It's actually Gandalf and his merry band that we never get to see at all. Gandalf, actually Elric, says, Do not try the patience of wizards, for they are subtle and quick to anger, because he and his crew are techno-mages. Now, I love the Techno Mages. Their 1991 album, Luzentine, was a total game changer for me. But seriously, these are a group that use technology and science to mimic magic. Londo and Veer see them coming on board, and Londo notes these are the first human Techno Mages he's ever seen. And the timing couldn't be any better. Lord Rifa, a Centauri big shot, is visiting and says that the Emperor's son died. And now there's no clear line of succession. So he and his people are going to go for the seat when the emperor kicks the bucket. And no, not the green and purple scarf bucket. That's a whole other bucket. Rifa's impressed with Londo's handling of Quadrant 37 and wants his support, which Londo happily gives. Wanting to recreate the moment that the very first Centauri emperor had when the Techno-Mages blessed his ascendancy to the throne, he sends Veer to Elric to set up a meeting. Elric says that uh, whatever bad stuff Londo told him he'd do if he didn't come back with uh, with an answer, with a good answer for him, he will double that bad stuff if he comes asking again. So Londo dupes Sheridan into setting up a meeting. This backfires since Elric like, really, really is Gandalf, and he casts a techno spell on Londo that not even the combined might of Norton and McAfee can handle. He eventually sucks up his pride apologizes to the techno-mages as they head out, leaving to an undisclosed location to avoid the coming darkness. Elric straight up tells Londo that he is a piece of Centauri garbage and will be responsible for the death of billions. Did that help, Brent? What did you, uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Honestly, Jeff, it didn't. (laughs) I just, look, that was a hard recap to put together. I'm not going to lie. Sure, because, I mean, this was, it was like about a whole bunch of little stuff that never finished. Like, like what was this episode even about? Like, there was a very, very interesting A plot. Mm-hmm. And then there was a very, very interesting B plot. And there was kind of a, okay, maybe they're going somewhere with the C plot. Maybe they're doing something with this D plot. They barely touched on either of those. So, okay, fine, whatever. But they didn't finish any of them. Like, the Drazi fight. Kind of a neat idea. You could go somewhere with that. Very interesting conversation about fighting for the color. And is it a flag? Is it not? Does one mean actually more than another? We'll get into that much later. But the whole thing is Ivanova pulls the scarf off the dude's neck and he's like, uh, well, you're the leader now. She's like, come with me to the quartermaster so we can go dye these things purple. And that's it. That's it. That's where they left it. Like, that's not the answer. That's not going to stop them from fighting. Or is it like, I, I don't know, like they didn't finish it. Right. And then the whole thing about the techno mage, like that's a neat, I want to find out more about this techno mage. He's a scientist who, who kind of makes things look like magic, even though it's more science. And he, he's, he's like, he's like, Hey, listen, what is science and what is magic? And if you look at anybody who's advanced enough, it kind of looks like magical. Maybe it really is magic. And Londo's doing this whole thing. And, and then you, there's three of them. And then all of a sudden he and Sheridan are in a fight because there's hundreds of them and they're all wanting to go away. And then that's it. They just leave. That's, that's just it. They didn't drop any information on us. They didn't bring anything. They didn't, they didn't add it. It's just, they're just there. And they made Londo look like a fool and gave him little three demons on his back as he's walking away. Like, 
and I broke the spell or whatever he said. Like that's I mean, these guys are these guys the soul hunters of season two? Oh. Like they're awesome. I want more of these guys, unlike the Soul Hunter, so they're not the Soldier. Are they the Death Walker? I want more of you. I hope this isn't the last I see of you. I just and then the whole thing about Londo maybe becoming the new emperor. They're gonna try to do this thing. Okay, that sounds like that could go somewhere, and they just didn't do anything about it. And then and then Garibaldi doesn't know if he wants to come back. Okay, this is this is uh this is this is season two's episode of family. <laughs> Right. Where they got to decide if he's if he's going to come back or not, you know, give, give him give him that catharsis episode. Mm-hmm. And, and he does eventually decide to come back, which is cool. But what the what the hell was this episode about, Jeff? I don't even get it. It's like, hey, there's a bunch of ideas. Here you go. All these ideas basically just tell you what we already knew. Like, honestly, and we'll talk about some of these things outside of some really great veer stuff. Like there was some awesome veer stuff in this one. And I agree. The techno mages. Like I, I want a whole show about these techno mages. Like this sounds, this sounds awesome. This is super cool. That's how this. We're marking time. I get it. Londo's doing bad stuff with bad people. I know. Londo is reaching for you know his last grasp, you know, at greatness or whatever. But like all the stuff that we went through in season one with Sinclair, where they're like, hey, here's this Minbari thing. Oh, hey, here's a new thing that's, oh, it's just the Minbari thing. Oh, it's a different, but it's, the, hey, here's this Londo and Shadows thing. Oh, here's a little different way of saying here's Londo and the Shadows thing. This did very little in, in any way to do much outside of bring Garibaldi back. And I am, I love Veer. Veer was, yeah. so, I mean, I've been, I've been a fan of Veer's for a little while now, but oh my gosh. To, yeah. He, for the first time, like outshone like dramatically outshone Londo on this. I want him to be the new ambassador when Londo goes bad, runs off rogue or whatever. I want uh-huh. Veer Kodo to be like Centauri guy on the station. Stand by. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your Babylon five for the first time experience to the next level with our exclusive Patreon? you'll get access to all kinds of cool stuff that you can only find there. Our recording notes, unedited reaction videos, an exclusive Discord community. And you can even be listed as a producer of the show. Plus, we even offer exclusive meet and greets and hangouts. You won't find this kind of experience anywhere else. Get all these amazing benefits, plus the opportunity to interact with other fans from around the world. It's being part of a huge community where everyone shares the same appreciation for Babylon 5. Subscribe at patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. That's the number five in the word first to get access to these incredible benefits. That's patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. We can't wait to see you there. Uh, they're definitely setting Londo up, or at least it feels like they're setting Londo up to go bad, maybe have a redemption arc somewhere in the middle of that. I don't think we're going to, I don't think he's going to go bad. Like gold Ducat type bad. No, I don't think so either. But uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I think he's going to go bad and, and there'll be some sort of a, a comeuppance for him that brings him back to the fold. He'll be the sacrificial lamb or something by the end. I don't exactly know. Well, I think like in, in this one, he, he and Sinclair were buddies. 
right? He and Sinclair uh-huh. were buddies. He and Garibaldi were buddies. He and Sheridan haven't really connected. This was his first interaction with Sheridan. And mm-hmm. from the go, he's a conniving, lying manipulator with Sheridan. I feel like Londo's going to be set up as that person who, by his own actions, he's going to be like, well, the Narns hate me. Oh my God. And now the human earth hates me because of this. So, I mean, yeah, maybe the shadows are right. Maybe I'm totally justified in doing all this horrible stuff. Right. And that's going to set up his fall from grace. And then it'll mm-hmm. probably be Jakar that helps pull him Lift back him out. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay. Let's talk about some of the good things of this episode. Last season, our favorite episode, or I'm sorry, not our favorite episode, our favorite guest star, hands down, David Werner. Oh, yeah. Right? This potentially has my favorite guest star of this whole season, and I'm only on episode three. Yeah. And Michael Ansara. So good. So good. Did did you know when he filmed this, he was 73 years old? No, he was not. He was born in 1922. Wow. 73. Like, if I have to go be a techno mage, right, to look that good at, and he did more stuff after this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh my gosh, this dude's just a beast. He looks so good. He, I, I honestly wouldn't have put him over like fifty something. Yeah, at all. Like he looks so good. Like, give me his diet. Yeah, <laughs> I, could, I could probably use some there, Jess. You know, um, good. What is his workout regimen like? I know. Jeez. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Michael, man, he, he was so like, if it would have been somebody else, if it would have been a lesser actor as a techno mage, the techno mages would have been clowns. Yeah. A joke, a joke. Goofballs. Absolutely. He brought gravitas to this weird wizards who use science to make it look like Matt. Basically, basically what, what are they? Uh, uh, not shams. They're, um, snake oil salesmen. Snake oil salesmen. Like that's what they are. Right. But he turned it from that into this is actually a whole thing. He has that back and forth with Sheridan when they're on the Zocalo, right? And it ends with him like producing the orange blossom, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But he does that thing of like, we study the the mystery of the laser and the circuit and all this that, that on paper is some of the most ridiculous dialogue you're ever going to see. But I'm hanging on every word, you know, I'm just like, oh my and like, god! You're wanting to see the circuit and the laser he's talking about. Yeah. Like, show me what's up your sleeve because I want to see how you're doing this because that's just cool. He brought so much, but I think a lot of that came from his incredible sci-fi experience that he had as playing Kane in Buck Rogers. I could see Kane delivering those lines like that was his practice moment for finally arriving on Babylon Five. So speaking of Sheridan and and uh, this dude, El, what was his name? Elkert Elric. They're like Elric. There it is. What is the most Dungeons and Dragons mage name I can come up with? Yep, there you go. Elric. There you go. That might have actually been JMS's actual like Dungeons and Dragons character name. <laughs> I bet like, it that was. Really might have been it. They're supposed to be having a conversation, and next thing we know, they're like blowing up at each other. Mm-hmm. And I honestly thought in that moment. This is this was like a hologram that that Londo was walking in on, kind of like remember that monster that was coming through. Which, but you see it coming through, and you're like, it's a hologram. Yeah. It's a hologram. It's fake. It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. Oh look, I was right. It's not real. That's what I thought this was with Sheridan and dude yelling at each other. But turns out they're just yelling at each other for some weird reason that we had no 
Like they didn't prep us for that at all. Like they're, it just they're yelling. There's a missing there's a missing puzzle piece. Like I feel like what we know is that JMS has a fully realized world. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, every so these techno mages, he probably has the three thousand year history of the techno mages in his brain or somewhere that he's written down. So Elric is walking into this thing at full speed, right? Earth Force has is, is, is screwed us over. Uh, Centauri, you know, what? they've all tried to restrict us and hold us down. And you're asking these questions to stop me from exercising my rights as a free, free citizen. And Sheridan's in there just like, I just need answers to these questions. Like, it's all ramped up, which makes me think there's just this huge amount of history that led to this moment that we, ne- we, we never saw. I'm only guessing there. I feel like there are deleted scenes from this episode that we just missed or a deleted episode or, you know, like, right. (laughs) Right. Like there, there are some key moments that just didn't happen to connect certain dots. I'm going to go with studio interference on this one. Let's cause I'm not at this point, I'm not going to blame JMS for it. Like, cause this episode was just wacky. It almost was a waste of Michael and Sarah. Yeah. Except he saved this episode. He saved an episode that made no sense. And I think, and I have a theory for later when we dive into this more, unless we want to talk more on the techno mages, but I don't think this is the last we're going to see of Elric. I hope not. I know. I hope not. I, I, I don't have that confidence that you do, Jeff, but I hope not. Well, talk about it now, Jeff. All right. Techno mages are going somewhere to avoid the darkness that is coming, right? We have beat this metaphor that, right? into the ground. Right. Yep. We, yep. Message transmitted, message received. They know I'm we sorry, have can to. Can we pause that? Can we pause that? Like, let's. Everybody seems to know about this thing that's coming, except for Earth. I know, the, and this the, isn't the, the first Minari time. We know that something's coming. The Vorlon know that something's coming because Kosh was in our So it begins. Uh, Jakar seems to know that something's coming. These techno mages know that something's coming. Apparently, the rats know that something's coming. It's just the humans are sitting over going, "Duh, what's going on, guys?" It's just like, and this is the second time, I feel like we need buzzers for this, but it's like Soul Hunter. When everybody on the station is like, oh my God, it's a Soul Hunter. And Earth Force is walking around being like, what? What are you talking about? Why, why is that a big deal? I don't know why. What? Yeah, we, it's just kind of, it's, we're starting to look stupid uh-huh. <laughs> through all this. But I think they know it's coming. They're going away to this dark place and they're all, or this this undisclosed place where all the Technomages are going to come together because they know what it's going to take to fight this darkness. They're the reason, they're the force that is phasing Babylon 4 in and out of its reality into the future and back and bringing it back to dump people off. I think they're the technological magic making that happen. So they're going to come in season four, maybe, or whatever, when there's a big, you know, the great war is going and Babylon 4 is is in the fight. And we're going to see the techno mages there making sure that it's there for them to fight. And that's where Elric will come in and Jason Ironheart will swoop in and all of these one-off characters from before will be, Jinxo, here. Jinxo will be, Jinxo will be there. I've, I'm here to heal you after all of this. It'll all come together with Elric leading the charge. If it, if it all comes in with somebody just going on your left, <laughs> I'd be down. Right. The whole thing. I'd be like, it's over. yeah, yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. Give them all the Oscars. I like it, Jeff. I like it. I don't think you're right, but I like it. I hope you are. I hope I am. I'd be so cool if. Well, and here's, I, I don't know. I don't know what to guess 
anymore because I've I've learned oh. how much of this world JMS has fleshed out. In my mind, you do not introduce something as cool as the Techno Mages with an actor like Michael and Sara, and it's a one-off in a pretty cruddy episode. You know what yeah. I mean? Like this is yeah. a thing that leads to something. Stand by, we'll be right back. Hey, are you a big fan of stand-up comedy? Have you been enjoying laughing? I like laughing. If you get a chance, check out the podcast Stand Up Comedy, your host and MC. That's Stand Up Comedy, your host and MC, where we have interviews and great comedy sets from all kinds of great stand up comics. If you get a chance and you want to laugh, I like laughing. Give it a shot. Stand Up Comedy, your host and MC. I don't know. We we've talked about him several times, but we've still only ever seen Bester one time. Yeah, it's a long time ago. I'm sure he comes back for as much as they're talking about him. I'm sure he comes back, but I, I hope we get this guy to come back as well. All right. Can we talk about Londo real quick, though? Mm-hmm. All right. I couldn't give two flying rips about Londo's whole interactions with the Techno Mage. The whole thing about Londo now devising this plan to I mean, he's walking around. Like he sprouted three new chest hairs, but he's having this whole conversation where he's literally plotting to overthrow the emperor. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you could be the sign that our people are waiting for. Also, you could be the person that becomes the new emperor. And he bites. Yeah. Like his head is so big after this whole blowing up section 37 or whatever sector 37. He's his head is so big that he's like, yeah, I'm going to become the new emperor. And he has, doesn't he have the eye? He's got the or eye. He, or maybe he gave it back. I don't know. Something is, this is part of the, uh, the, the turning of Londo. I think it is. We saw, we saw development in Londo and born to the purple. And then there's the other one where the other Centauri came on board, you know, Winnie Cooper Centauri came on board mm-hmm. and Vera's like, Oh, I'm the ambassador. I forget which mm-hmm. episode that was, but those were points, you know, that's the one where, uh, you know, you, you, you I for, we forgot to dance, forgot how to dance. Mm-hmm. We saw him struggling with the old ways and, and being an older person and really wanting to embrace things. So he's, I think we're seeing that uh, personal growth conflict of like, I want to change who I am. I, I want to be a part of the new future and the progression of, of who we are and let go of these old things that we've held on to forever. Hmm. Also... I could be the stinking emperor. So like maybe that other stuff's a fun idea. So I think there's a battle happening inside of Londo. That's mm-hmm. now going to, it's going to really quickly become a physical manifestation. And he, I think he's going to be odd man out in a lot. What if he becomes emperor and he's got the shadows backing him? I mean, it'd be unstoppable. I, I, that's, that's an interesting thought. I mean, there's a piece of me that just goes television being what it is. Londo's on the DVD cover. He's not leaving to go be the emperor. You, you know what I mean? But then again, I never thought that Quark would become the Grand Nagus. Right. That's three. I don't care. It's, and it was wrong. It was almost Quark. Quark. There was an episode where Quark was going to be the Grand Nagus until he wasn't. Right? Yeah. And maybe that that's where this kind of goes. Oh, I'm going to be this. I'm gonna... Oh, and then it's it, Veer. And then Veer becomes it, the emperor. <laughs> I'd be here for that. Yeah. Veer, because Veer would at this point we think Veer would make a good emperor. He does. If nothing else, he's really good at doing people's hair. 
that was very interesting. Yeah, kind of to uncomfortable. See him doing the hair with the weird. Did you see the comb thing he was using? Like, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, weird, weird, weird. weird. Uh, so at least we know then that that hair is styled that way and is not part of their skull system. Because remember, we had that question back in season one, very early on. Okay, so Londo wants to become the new emperor. He's got a whole thing. All right, we got to talk about the Drawsy bar fight, and then we got to talk about Sheridan because Sheridan had some really cool moments in this episode. But he had some awesome moments. The the Drawsy the Drazi fight. I mean, what was this? Like, yes, Ivanova just got made commander. Is this this was a proving ground for her? What like that? What is was this episode running short? And this is filler material. Like, what's going on, Jeff? Before even like looking at what she did with the Drazi. Back in points of departure, I talked about how Ivanova's just coming across as different. Yeah. And I really felt that in this one too. Season one, Ivanova would not have put up with the garbage coming from the Drazi. Like she would have, she would have walked in there, told them what's what, figured stuff out and taken care of it. I I think that she's, I don't know why, but she just seems so much less confident in every she was questioning herself. In a moment, we'll talk about in more detail. Sheridan came in and did the opposite of micromanaging. And it was like, hey, what's your next step? Cool. I trust you to take care of this. And she's like, well, that's encouraging. It, it is. <laughs> like, go and do it. I think we, it's a different Ivanova through this. And this, I don't think she looked good through any of this. She looked incompetent, incapable, and totally unconfident in what she was doing. But the Drazi in this whole fight. <laughs> well, first, it's an old school Bruce Lee fight, right? Where like no one's even fighting. It's just a group of people like moving around. <laughs> Looks so bad. Oh, when they came across that big bunch of dead purple dudes, like I, I was sitting there, I was going, there's not even people in those costumes. Those are just dummies that they use for background. They just threw them out there on the set and said, here you go. But this whole struggle is like, it's, it's an interesting concept. Very. Every five years, we all split into two groups at random, and there's a leader. Okay, now, first of all, why are both leaders on Babylon 5? Why aren't they at their homeworld? Or are these leaders of, like, individual, like, infantries and sects or something like that? Like, Well, the killing, the the, the killing of the purples started on the Drazi homeworld. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just a thing that group there did or if, like, my guess was, oh, they got a homeworld. Like, wherever there's a big encampment of Drazi, they probably have a leader. That was my guess. Mm-hmm. So... Ivanova steals the scarf. She just snatches the scarf off a dude's neck, and they were all like, <gasps> you know, and it, it, like they're sitting like, uh, you are leader now. You make engine go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, oh, well, okay. You're like, dude, just look like I don't know what to do. You just took you just took my thing. I did love that whole scene though, where he's just like, she's like, but I'm not drowsy. He's like, well, that's stuck in a rules committee right now so <laughs> sorry i guess you're it and she just goes okay we're going to the quartermaster we're that didn't stop the fighting that didn't solve it for her what was going to stop the way i read it was we're going to paint them purple then you're all purple so now there's no fighting anymore because you're all purple that's there you go but they have another year like the whole joke was we learned what a cycle was a cycle is a week which doesn't make any sense if you look back at what was that with Jinxo with Grail, where he had like three hundred cycles to do a thing. Yeah, like how many? Yeah. Years? He had six hundred years or six years. It's like, yeah. What? So, so with that, apparently, so just the, I think this was in our comments. This is the kind of comment that I'm okay with. 
Somebody said JMS has gone back and said that when they were writing Grail, they didn't know really what a cycle was. They didn't have a measurement for it. They just sort of threw it out there. And it wasn't until later that they kind of either, I don't know if he said they stopped using the term, which obviously they don't because we heard it in this one, or they standardized what it actually meant. And even JMS was like, yeah, after Grail, that's the last time that they're going to mess around with it. Kind of like another science fiction show that throws numbers out there at random that eventually it got more standardized. But if you go back and listen to the first ones, they make no sense because it right. doesn't follow the, the rule. Um, yeah, like for example, we're going to, in one of our early episodes, go to warp 11 just because we can and then push it further. But then it's impossible to go past warp eight, but then actually warp one, 9.9 is the big deal. And warp 10 turns you into a salamander. Right. So yeah. Right. And somewhere you get warp 15 and all that, or I'd take a look at my other fandom and Harry Potter. Like JK has no sense of concept of what the money exchange system is. Hmm. Yeah, like there's like it does not make sense at all, like at all. And she says, like, I'm not good with numbers. She's horrible at estimating stuff. So, yeah, but yeah, apparently it's 1.2 like human years is how that's how long this fight is going to go on. So every five years they fight for a year to determine the next leading group. Honestly, Jeff, that kind of sounds like present day the United States of America. Yeah, yeah. That's really what it's only for us. It's like every two years we start fighting to decide and then we decide and then we're not really decided because you don't decide because you can't trust. Anyway, I'm not going to get into all that. You know what I'm talking about? It's just a weird fight, man. It's so weird. And I, I'm so dissatisfied with how it ended. I liked how they just were all in with it though. You know, when she first tried like kind of getting everybody on board, she calls mm-hmm. two two people out of the gallery and she's like, look, and she pulls their scarfs, the scarf off, and she's like, So what you're telling me, if I take this scarf, I just put it on this dude. Then and like as she's talking, they start creeping up out of the gallery and they just jump the guy. <laughs> I'm like, like, at least they were all in on the concept, even if it was this needs to be like there just need to be Drazi in the background fighting through the whole rest of the season. Otherwise, this was completely meaningless that would be awesome this is i need garibaldi drinking water watching the drowsy fight here and there throughout the course of the deal but and just telling people it's cool stay out of the way let it go oh, they're all walking around with purple scarves on yeah not fighting. yeah maybe looking at each other weird but not fighting if if i were in ivanova's position do you want to know mm-hmm. how i would solve the drowsy problem Ooh, a good question how would jeff solve the drowsy problem. And then I want to know, I want to get your thoughts after mine, but for mm-hmm. me, Mutai, mm. right? You can't put them into the Muta, into the, into the whole you know, Mutai piece because that's a culture. Although we did see, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We did see a drowsy in the Mutai. Yeah, but that one earned his spot there. Sure. You know, and so we wouldn't want to sully the, the whole thing by just throwing everybody in there, but you take the concept of the Mutai, you take the style, right? Hey, this isn't Pancrase. This is ultimate fighting. It's totally different, you know, or whatever. But you right. set up brackets, you televise it. Now you've got a safe way. Sell ads to uh-huh. Zima. To Zima's exactly. the presenting sponsor. Absolutely. They're lining up for the whole thing. So you got a safe line of succession. You got a way of tracking all the wins and profit. Like it's everybody wins. If you do it like this. And I also think Ivanova would have come. The Ivanova that helped little Psychor telepath girl who's over on Minbar right now, who went and explored all these options for her, she would have thought of something like this. But instead, they're going to die 
green well, scarf's purple. I mean, if she would have taken a page out of Sinclair's book, she would have said, okay, bring me up all the information on Drazi culture. And he, she would have read it and she would have come up with some weird solution out of the, you know. Six, six cycles ago, you went through this process, which means you can now do this. Yeah. Or she would have taken the scarf on purpose and declared herself the leader, not on accident. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of with you on that. Um, How would Brent have solved it? Mutai is a good option. I honestly, this sounds horrible. I probably would have kind of let them space a bunch of their people and be like, dude, this, you know what I would have said? I would have, I would have applied the, uh, the Star Trek mantra to it. This is not a Star Trek reference, but I would have applied the Star Trek thing to it. I've gone, your culture is your culture and I'm not here to judge it. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't agree with it. I completely have a hard time with this. But your culture is your culture, but I have to end this. So if this is where it's going to go, then I'm going to let you guys do it. But I'm not going to be the one to press the button, but I'm not going to judge you for it either. Yeah. Don't use my name. I'm out of it. You clean up your mess. Yeah. But finish it. Or I kick you all off the station. That's the other thing. You just look, you guys want to go fight. That's fine. Just don't fight here. I don't care if you fight or not. If this is part of your deal, this is how you guys run your government. Awesome. That's between you and not us. On this station, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. So solve it. Okay. Sheridan. Sheridan comes in, immediately promotes Ivanova, says, I had the paperwork done the second day he was here. It just took a while to get through. Goes to Garibaldi and's like, yo, dude, I want you back. It's mm-hmm. your choice, but I want you back. He empowers both. He gives them both uh, authority to make decisions and allows them to stand by it. And when they come to him asking for him to do something like to basically do it for them, he says, no, this is your job. You go do it. And he says, I believe in you. Go do it. Jeff, Mr. Leadership Guru, dude, talk to us about Sheridan. Empowerment sounds really cool. Like if I tell you as an employer, a boss or a manager or whatever, that you're empowered to do a thing, you're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's great. I'm empowered to do a thing. But then when you're actually empowered, at first you're kind of like, oh, no. I'm also accountable for this thing. It's a, it, it comes with both sides. That's where we saw Ivanova, especially in this. Sheridan, gosh, in, in three episodes, we've had him for three episodes, and he is, there's a reason he's a captain and Sinclair was a commander. Like, oh my the, gosh, you're not joking. Light, light years beyond. I want to, if I worked for Sinclair, I would be working over his head to be like, yeah, this guy's a problem. This guy's, ass. he's not managing this. Sheridan, I will I will take a PPG to the back for Sheridan as, as, as my boss, because there's a difference between going into Ivanova and just being like, hey, how are you? How's your foot? Yeah, it's good. Cool. Well, hey, good luck. You've got this. I'm out like that is poor management. He does a few key steps. He comes in. He says, what's your next step? She says, oh, I'm going to this, this and this. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's a really good idea. Hey, listen, when you're doing that, just keep this in mind. You've got this. I'm at, well, don't you want to come with me? No, you got it. I trust you implicitly. She had that moment of panic. Oh my God, I'm empowered. I'm going to be accountable. And then she went and did it and he was fine with it. I think he also understood. This is a thing a leader has to understand as you delegate things and you do give them, empo- you empower people mm-hmm. to do things. There's a level of stakes. He even said, I'm going to give you some of these lower stakes, diplomatic things. This Drazi thing went south. Like you said, the worst thing that would happen, half of them would get vented out into space and that's their problem, Right whatever, go do your thing. Go try it out. The flip side to that, not even the flip side, but the other angle. And that was Garibaldi, very complex relationship. They don't know each other. Mm -hmm. 
Sheridan's got to get this guy back to work. He's got to get somebody in this into into this role. Garibaldi's having a rough time. And there was a moment when he walked into his quarters and asked him, you know, hey, what's it going to be? When it ended, I loved it because he says, look, you're right. It would be better if you just resigned and went away. A lot of people, a lot of people would, would be happy by that. But I'd lose this. I'd lose this. I didn't like that he called Garibaldi a resource. I never like when we call people staff or resources. Like, he's a person. We can call him that. It's fine. Right. But he acknowledged all those things. Yeah, it's easier. But you do you, man. Like, it's cool. Just make a decision soon. Right? I can't wait forever. Because I have to do something. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There's still a need. So I'm going to be supportive. I'm going to help you. I'm going to let you do what you need to do. Also, I got to do what I got to do. Mm-hmm. He, what, what was great, he defined reality. One of my favorite phrases for leadership. He defined mm-hmm. reality. Said this is where it is. He gave him permission. And he said, the only thing I think he could have done better was instead of just saying, I need you to make a decision soon, give him a hard deadline. You need, I need to have this decision by six o'clock tomorrow. Otherwise I'm going to have to pick somebody else. Yeah. I'm going to have to make the decision for you. But I think also he's part of the reality that was defined for him. He had time. Lou had stuff under control. You know, I mean, they were right. responding right. to the Ivanova stuff and say, so yeah, I got some time. Like, just do it, do it soon. And then maybe that's a check-in, right? Two or three days later. Hey, how you doing? Just, just checking in because I do need to make a decision by this time. Like you give that hard deadline like the second time. Yeah. And sometimes as a leader, you give a hard deadline that really, you know, is not that hard. You're just doing it to create action. Yeah. To move things forward. All right, Jeff. I don't know if you have anything else about this episode, but I do have something I'd like to get to in the second half. So whatever you got left on this episode, take it. Go for it, man. I do want to just kind of on the Garibaldi and Sheridan piece. Yep. In that scene when he walked in to Garibaldi's quarters and he was playing with the PPG, Mm -hmm. did you get the sense that he was maybe thinking about hurting himself? Yes. Not until not until Sheridan walked over and put the thing back into the holster. Yep. That's when I went, oh, he was getting ready to do something to himself. Yeah, I, I was the exact same thing. And I thought that it was really great filmmaking the way they did that. Because at first, he's just a security guy playing with his firearm, right? That's a mm-hmm. thing. You know, I mean, cleaning right. it, load whatever, thinking, Okay, okay, that's not a norm, but it's also not uncommon. Sheridan comes in, he gives this whole thing about, yes, it would be easy if you quit, but I'd also lose all this stuff. And then he reaches over, and the scene is focused on his hands and the PPG as he holsters it and takes it away, where he says Mm -hmm. the universe doesn't reward you for taking the easy route. Yeah. And it was like, like in that moment, he's like, dude, I I know what you were thinking. It's not okay. Now, the only thing I would do differently, and this is only because it's 30 years later and we know more about helping people, is he mm-hmm. should have just outright said, Michael, I don't want you to hurt yourself. Like, just right. say it and make it clear. But what he did for right. 1995, oh, that was great. Really well done. All right, Jeff. Well, we have reached that part then of the show where it's time to boil it down and see if this show has any of that Star Trek quality to it. Is it... Is it holding up a mirror to society? Is it being an allegory like we talked about earlier in the show? Uh, Is it showing us something about ourselves or is it just pure fun and maybe not so much fun? So, Jeff, you are going to rate this episode on a scale of zero to five deltas as well as tell us about any of those Star trek messages you got out of this episode. I, on the other hand, when you're done, will rate this on Star Furies of just how enjoyable was the episode? 
Well, I think we're going to have some very different ratings on, on this one. I think I said this about Veer before, but his hair grew a little bit, a little bit taller today, right? I, what, what did he just keep saying? I am Veer Cotto ambassadorial or diplomatic attache to ambassador Londo Malari with the Centauri Republic. I am Veer Koto diplomatic attache to ambassador Londo. Oh, I mean, just that, that courage, that bravery that he showed the lower you know, decks. You, oh. you know what I heard? You know what I heard in that moment? I am Moana of Montanua. Yeah. You will board my boat, sail to the Fiji and restore the heart. My name is Moana of Montanua. You shall board my boat, <laughs> sail across the ocean, Find Davidi and restore her heart. Totally inspired by Veer Kodo on Babylon 5. There you go. But, but it was so great. It was totally that, like, that lower decks moment, right, of like, I'm playing a bigger game right now, and I need to have that touchstone and be brave and do things. But when he was talking to Londo about, and I actually, I'm going to read it because like what he said to me was just, oh, do you mm. believe in fate, Veer? I believe there are currents in the universe, eddies and tides that pull us one way or the other. Some we have to fight, some we have to embrace. Unfortunately, the currents that we have to fight look exactly like the currents we have to embrace. The currents that we think are going to make us stronger, they're the ones that are going to destroy us. And the ones we think are going to destroy us, they're the ones that are going to make us stronger. Not only was that a massive conviction of Londo and his choice right mm -hmm. to embrace what he thinks with the shadows is going to make him stronger but what a great message from Star Trek coupled with what Sheridan said about the universe not rewarding you for doing things easy you have to embrace the difficult in order to get the great awesome awesome message another cool Star Trek message in there Technology is magic, <laughs> right? God didn't need solar batteries or a fusion reactor, or did he, right? That belief in our capacity to discover and accomplish things through science, that, that is Star Trek. That's why it's not wagon trail Trek. It's Star Trek because we believe in the human capacity to learn more about things and do them. And this even went a step further where the Technomages built an entire culture around ensuring that knowledge will never fall into the wrong hands. Oh, mm -hmm. good. And my favorite one, I'm going to quote one of my favorite Rush songs here. It says, They shoot without shame in the name of a piece of dirt for a change of accent or the color of your shirt. Better the pride that resides in a citizen of the world than the pride that divides when a colorful rag is unfurled. One, what a Star Trek message. Through and through. But that's a Rush song, giving the star. Oh, wait. That's actually exactly what the Drazi were saying when Ivanova was trying to call them on it, right? Just outright showing Ivanova's blind patriotism, her, her jingoism, right? Mm -hmm. You're fighting and dying over a stupid piece of cloth. It's got nothing but a stupid star on it. Hmm. That sounds a lot like a bunch of flags. That I've seen yeah. out there. This is great stuff. I wish that Babylon 5 would have dove into it more in this episode. Here they kind of did what Babylon 5 does. And they're like, here's a thing. There you go. But between the Sheridan stuff and the Veer stuff and the technology magic stuff, I'm giving this one four and a half deltas. Wow. Yeah, I was, I mean, I wanted to give it five, but they didn't dive in. I I was blown away at how you, you were You were was. tracking with all of that, weren't you? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, the whole stuff, I didn't pick up on the other stuff. Um, Cause I, 
I personally don't agree with what Vera's philosophy was mm -hmm. Yeah. of all that. So I was like, yeah, whatever. But the whole thing about the flags and the pieces of cloth and, you know, like I found myself sitting there going, I, you know, Ivana was like, well, those mean something and they stand for something. They have this. And I'm like, but do they really like, isn't it really, or don't theirs don't theirs right? also. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, does it really? I mean, we talk about borders between countries, but aren't those just imaginary man-made lines? Mm -hmm. The differences that, that exist between us are things that we have put in place ourselves, right? Exactly. So, yeah. And we made up. We've made them up. Yeah. They're not we even just real. Said, here's the line. If you're on this side, you're this way. And if you're on this side, you're that way. Like, here's the barrel. Pick out which color you get. And that's going to determine. It, it, it's the same thing, really. That's the allegory. I love it. You're probably a little higher in your, your deltas than I would be, but I'm not doing deltas this week. You are. I am doing Star Furies, though. Yeah, good luck. How much did I enjoy this episode? How much did we enjoy this episode, Jeff? Um, This is weird. This is one of those episodes that it's almost like a tale of two things. Do you, two, not two episodes, two halves. It's not even halves. It's like, Four fifths and then one fifth. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. Yeah. You remember the episode infection where we, we heard that word and we're like, Oh gosh. Yeah. This is just this. I know what this episode's going to be. It's horrible. It's horrible. Every single time any sci-fi show does it, it's not going to be good. And we're watching, we're watching, watching. And then all of a sudden it turns on a dime and it becomes actually pretty good. But the first part of it was just gross, hot mm -hmm. garbage. This is like opposite for me. Like the, the first three, fifths four fifths of this episode were really intriguing like they felt like they were going somewhere going somewhere and then all of a sudden they just they never landed the ship i was like is jj abrams directing this episode <laughs> you just you can't land the dang ship like 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 bring it home and they, they just didn't do it and you know there's a saying in sports jeff there's a saying in football games are won and lost in the fourth quarter episodes your impression of an episode your enjoyment of an episode is won or lost it is defined by what happens in the final act and in the final act of this one it was gross it it was it was incomplete and so i give this episode albeit i enjoyed the first bit of it because it never landed and i know that it's never going to land every time i rewatch this episode i'll know it's leading to nowhere it's like it's the, it's the temporal cold war. Yes. Phenomenal idea. Cool set of episodes. And then when you get to the execution of it at the very end, it's just nothing completely fizzles out. That's this episode to me. So I give this like maybe two star furies. Oh, wow. Okay. And that that's maybe being generous just because I did admittedly like the first part of the episode, but it's not, it, it, I'm not watching this episode again, if I can help it. Well, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I might watch it the same reason I'd watch Grail again, right? I'll watch Grail again for David Warner, but also I'll watch other David uh, Warner stuff. Fair. I might watch that's this fair. again for Michael and Sarah, and I'd say other Aunt Michael and Sarah stuff, but like I don't want to watch Buck Rogers again. It did not age well. I'll totally right. watch him as Kang, right? He was awesome. Both original series and Deep Space Nine as Kang. Uh -huh. I'll watch that again, but he was also awesome as Elric. I really, I really liked that character. I'm naming my next Dungeons and Dragons person, Elric. You and half a million Everybody others who else? already yeah. have. <laughs> yes. 
Well, Brent, starting here with season two, right? We are ranking the episodes like we did in the season one wrap up. We We are are developing the absolute 100% definitive, objectively definitive episode ranking for each season of Babylon 5 compared to points of departure, which we have at number one, revelations that we have at number two. Mm -hmm. Where are you putting the geometry of shadows? Okay, I I cannot put this one at number one. Agreed. I I can't do it. (laughs) The the question is, between Revelations and Geometry of Shadows, where do I put those two? Because those are the only two that I have to choose from. And the litmus test that I give myself is if I had to watch one of them again, which one would I choose? And I'm probably going, I want to say that I want to go with Revelations just because I'm mad at this episode. Like, like I'm, I'm not even disappointed. I'm legit mad because they didn't, they didn't finish the episode. Everything just sort of went and you're like, why, you know, it, and at least with revelations, it literally, it was wrapping up the, the changing of the guard episode. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a, you kind of almost have to watch it in conjunction with the first episode. Like it's almost like a part one, part two type deal. And so I want to say I'd watch Revelations, but on a pure enjoyment level, I, I did enjoy this episode, the first part of it. Well, let me ask it like this, right? Do you want to watch 20 minutes of Sheridan and his sister talking about his 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 deceased wife? No. Or do you want to see an episode that culminates in three demons climbing around on Londo's back unexplicably? Yeah, so you're right. Yeah, Revelation, Revelations is down below that for sure. You're, you you make a good point there. So that's going to seal it. We're going to go um, uh, points of departure at number one. We're going to take this episode, Geometry of Shadows, at number two. And we're going to take Revelations at number three. Although I'm going to make a prediction at least two of these three episodes are not going to wind up in the top 10 by the time we're done with the season. That's a pretty bold statement. I hope because I hope the season is better than what we've got so far. It's not off to a strong start yet, Jeff. But that's it for Geometry of Shadows. Every week, we don't look at anything ahead other than the title of the next episode. No pictures, no recaps, no synopses, anything like that. The next episode, Brent, is called A Distant Star. What do you think this one's going to be about based on the title alone? I think this is going to be an episode where we get somebody coming onto the station who is kind of graily. Okay. Like a seeker-y type person. You know, a mage, like like not a mage. This was the mage, uh, the philosopher, the 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 stoic, you know, but somebody who comes from this this real deep part of the the world, and they're gonna this will be the um the prophet coming in to tell us what from a, you know, the role of the prophet in a narrative right. story. This is like the second or know? third time you've called for like a John, the Baptist kind of a, kind of a visitor. And I've been right in. several times. I've been right. At least one of those times. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, but that's, but that's, but this one isn't John, the Baptist making way the path of the Lord. This is, this is the, the guy who's saying, this is what you're going to have to do to win. Like we, like something's coming this is what we're going to have to do in order to win. Like it's, this is the journey you're going to have to go on. This is, this is Gandalf telling Frodo, you got to take the ring and go to Mordor. What do you think, Jeff? I think that we are going to get some of the shadows backstory on this one. They came from this distant star and Mm. this is a little bit of who they are. Probably some, maybe some of the Jaquan story in, um, 
and that religion that Jakar is holding on to for stuff. Um, and maybe this is wishful thinking, but we're going to get back to the shadows because that's, you know, apparently the point of the season. But we're going to find out right here next week. Thank you all so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you're listening to us or watching us and leave us a rating and review. I love reading your reviews here on the show. It's it's one of my favorite things ever to do. And until next time. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. Purple. Green. Purple. Green. Purple. Green. Purple. Green. Purple. Green. Purple, purple, purple. Green. Purple. Green. Red plus blue makes purple. Yellow plus blue equals green. Purple. Green. Purple. Green. Purple. Green. Am I not purpley enough for the purple club? Purple. Giggity, 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 green. Born to the purple. A green. 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 Purple. Green. Purple. Green. Purple. Green. Purple. Green. Purple. Green. Purple.